0: When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we begin the new year of the church, Advent. And I hope that you can feel the hope of Advent this year. Jesus said in those days, After that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven, from the fig tree learn its lesson, as soon as its branch Becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands a doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly." And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake, the gospel of the Lord. Advent starts in the dark. The very world around us is a lot darker than it was during the summer. We must be careful when we talk about darkness that we're not talking about skin color. We are talking about both the quality of light in the air, in the atmosphere from the sun or moon, and we're talking about a metaphor for not being able to see our way ahead. One of the darkest issues of our time is racism and discrimination of all sorts that never seems to end. There are wars and rumors of wars. Today, we follow with rapt attention two major wars in Ukraine and in Gaza. The world we live in now, with its wars, destruction, threats, crises, is not so different than the world that the first advent happened in. The world that Jesus came into, was born into, was a world like ours. And when Jesus came for the first time into the world, very few people recognized what was actually happening. And the danger is that this could happen again. We could not see it. We might not see it. We might not recognize it. We might not recognize him. There is darkness in our world for sure. I don't need to tell you that. There is darkness inside of us as well. And I don't know where it all started. We can blame it on the apple, on the snake, on Adam, and of course, most importantly, as we often do, on Eve. But there's something inside of all of us that causes us to look for love in all the wrong places. There is something inside of all of us that wants good things, much faster than they are made to arrive, so we take shortcuts and we get cut short and we suffer for it. We suffer from the darkness in others, too, their power over us and our inability to escape. The damage that one human life can do to so many is seen on crime shows and on the TV screen, but also in our own personal lives, we know how the struggle of one person can affect so many others. There is darkness around us. There is darkness inside us. And when we have this awareness of what's happening in the world and inside us, we can lose hope. Optimism is different than hope. You you know an optimist from a pessimist from how they show up for things. Optimists come late for everything. They really do think that everything will work out. Everything is working out. Pessimists show up early, way too early for things. They know that things are gonna fall apart and so they have to be there to watch it happen. But hope is not optimism. Hope is not optimism. Hope does not believe that everything is good. It doesn't always even believe that everything will work out. That's not hope, at least hope for Christians in Advent. And this is the limits of the progressive position. And I think I've been trying to explore this in the last year or so what the limits of progressive Christianity really are is our church, my church, the progressive Christian church and all its multifaceted forms and functions. Is there a limit to where we are as Christians in that? Are we just the Democrat party or the DSA at prayer, a Christian version of some political movement? And there's certainly overlaps to progressive Christianity and the, Democrat Party and the other parties that are progressive and um, lots of labels here that I probably don't fully understand. Is there a limit, though, to it? Is there a line at which Christianity will always cross the limits of what is progressive? And I think here in Advent, we can see one of these lines, a place where progressive belief that things will get better and better if we work harder, become more educated, change the laws, cause do reform work that things will get better and better and better. And the the I think that this is easy we are easily fooled by this because in our own lives we can see often progressives, the most ardent ones, came from very reactionary or conservative backgrounds where we had very narrow-minded views on a number of subjects and slowly through time we had our eyes open to goodness and truth and love and and that an equality for all and i think of myself on the lgbtq discrimination issues going coming from fundamentalism and and then in the army meeting so many gay men and that told me their stories as I was a chaplain and they could speak to me confidentially when the army would have uh, discharged them from the army for being gay, not even um, in any way participating in any gay activities, but just saying I'm gay or someone else saying they were gay was enough evidence to dismiss them from years and years of service with nothing. Um, horrible discrimination that was happening there. And they told me their stories and that changed my mind about so many things in that rela- those relationships of hearing the stories and, and understanding that and then reading the scripture and trying to figure out what, what I believed as a person on that issue. And I've just summed up like a lot of stuff in my life, so probably not accurately, and there's more to the story there. But I can see in my own life becoming more progressive on that issue. Because of my own journey and experience. And the problem with that is that not everybody's on that same journey. Some people went from being progressive to being uh, very anti-LGBTQ. Some people are starting in different places. Some people are still back in the stage that I was in. Not everybody is growing. Not everybody is learning. Not everybody is progressing. Although we hold out hope that people will become more loving and more caring. So that's sort of the limits of the, the, the myth of progress in the world. Obviously, I talk about Soren Kierkegaard a lot. This was one of his big objections to the progressive movements of his age, that people just don't get better and better and better and better until we reach this utopia state of perfection. There is something wrong with humanity that is very clearly delineated in the Christian tradition and in scripture, in that there's something wrong with us, no matter how hard we work, how hard we try to eradicate the the issues that drag us down as a species, we seem to have a way of returning to them. The 20th century was an era of such progress. And I heard someone the other yesterday, Friday, say, two days ago, Friday, say that their their mother witnessed the, or their grandmother witnessed the the horse buggy to the to man on the moon. And, and that's true for the 20th century. We also created weapons that could destroy entire cities. We who have grown up with this nuclear warfare know that that's just the fact of life, that huge cities could be destroyed with, with missiles coming from outer space. But this was a new reality for humans when it happened the movie oppenheimer sort of details the moral issues around that and and this was the 20th century also this time of great progress of health for healthcare and all lots of other things was also a time of great opportunities for destruction and potential and many had died many many died young many died and collateral damage, and many are still dying in the wars that seem to keep popping up in a world that seems to have moved beyond war, or we thought maybe we would. All I'm saying is that the Christian account of humanity, the Christian account of reality, is not inherently progressive. Even though we strive to reform, to purge, cleanse, These are all words used in scripture to root out the destructive elements in the world around us, in politics, in our government, in our churches, in our homes, all those sorts of uh, oppressive oppressive regimes and oppressive uh, personalities and all those things are bad for us and bad for people. And so we want to progress beyond that, our own narrowness of mind and bigotry and hatred and all those other things and yet we do so with this knowledge that that only, there is there that if we cling to the the hope of progress only we have lost the christian story christianity is hope in a person not in a program not in an educational system not in a personality or anything like that other than the personality of jesus christ he is the one that, and this will always cut across the grain of a political movement because ultimately we follow a person that, and he becomes the reason why we do things and don't do things. This is uh, what we are reminded of in Advent, that we are humans that struggle and we struggle uh, just with everything including the very darkness that comes at this time of year because of the tilt of the sun and where we are in outer space around the sun. Humans have always struggled at this time of year. Uh, We know that the days get shorter and the nights get longer and colder. And that is a time of great risk for ancient humans and even modern ones as well. There's less food. There's less safety. Uh, Getting through the winter wasn't just about seasonal affective disorder and depression. It was about starvation, having enough food to get you through. The cold in your bones really gets into your bones in a world lit only by fire. They needed hope and they needed to trust in God or the gods so that the sun would come back. And it happens to us. I get sadder in the winter, especially when I used to live up north. Uh, Texas, really helps with that a lot as we've had these beautiful days here. (laughs) And I also think that the Christmas spirit makes us sadder sometimes. When you're smacked in the face by how imperfect your family is compared to all the others that you see on TV, in movies, driving in cars, and at Target. Real life is not a Christmas card. When you think of your story and your life and all the expectations for the holiday season of which relative won't show up and which one won't be there. And might, you might be alone or maybe you'll go to some friend's house for the celebrations and feel even more alone because it's their family that's being celebrated. These are all very real things that happen this time of year to all of us. Real life is not a Christmas card. It is a story story of death and resurrection. And Advent reminds us that our hope is in this person of Jesus Christ. In a man, in a man that's coming around taking names, there's a man going around taking names and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, 100 million angels singing. Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying. Some are born and some are dying. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come. And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree. The virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And this is When the Man Comes Around by Johnny Cash. Check it out on YouTube now if you can. When the man comes around, this is the moment of justice for the world. And it's only scary if you're up to no good. It's only scary if you're not watching and ready. Jesus makes it very clear in Mark's gospel that the only thing you have to do is watch. That's all you've got to do. You don't have to perform on stage. You don't have to have everything right in your life. You don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be good. You just have to watch and believe and hope that he's coming. That's all we have to do because the work has already been done. When we come to apocalyptic literature in the Bible, we are talking about the already not yet. The work has already been done. Jesus has already come to this earth in the body of a tiny baby. He has come to this earth and lived this life of perfect love and grace. He has lived this life of sacrifice. He has been crucified, betrayed, and resurrected. He has done the work for you and for me. And all you have to do is hope in that and believe. And you do that by receiving the signs of his trust. The trust that he will come again The hope that we have is rooted in that trust, and the tokens of that trust are here at this altar, at the communion altars in all the churches of the world. We have Jesus with us, our Emmanuel, God with us. He is there, present, in the already, not yet. He's there already, but not fully yet. The bread and the wine at the communion table are not fully him completely in the flesh, standing before us, speaking to us. He does speak through those those elements. He does show us through those signs who he is, but that's not the full yet that is yet to come. That is still on the way. He is still on the way. There's a man coming around taking names because he loves us. He lived this life of love. He died on the cross for love, he rose again from the dead for love and he wants us to enter into that love, to be like him, to love the world, to love each other, and to hope. Advent begins in the dark and the dark in your life that you can't seem to shake this time of year. is the perfect opportunity for the light of Christ to shine in, a small candle that pierces the darkness of our world with a war, with a dis-ease, both outside us and inside us. That light is coming, and it's already here. Amen.